Yeah. You even, you even left a burp. You left a burp, Brandon. Yeah. Just the pinnacle of professionalism. Look, right, if you you wanted casual, what's more casual than a burp? <laughs> really? Right. There is casual and there is cross. That was No Crass. There's Crass. There's three Crass. there's three levels of comfort you have around people. Is it Brandon Tony Ryan? No, no, no. Four <laughs> levels, actually. Sorry, no, this is my theory. Okay. Level one, you're not comfortable around them, so you don't do any of the following things. Level two, you start feeling comfortable to swear around them, so like I said to Tony, you're a massive prick. Mm. Uh, level I number three, me. you start to feel comfortable burping around people. Level four... You start to feel comfortable farting and shitting around people. So essentially, what we've done there by keeping the burp is we've elevated the audience to level three, and now they they I don't know level three. Level three. That's the that's the level of familiar familiarity that we've got exactly. Come to the edge. We might fall. Come to the edge. It's too high. Come to the edge. And they came, and he pushed, and they flew. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of TPC, Tony's Poetry Club. What you just listened to is Come to the Edge by Christopher Logue, with the beautiful voice of Brandon, El Brandon Woodcock. Here with you is Tony, your host, English teacher, amateur poet, and alongside me, as per usual, your very own Brandon and Ryan. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for introducing me, Tony. And I wouldn't say beautiful, but, you know. It's okay. I, I wouldn't say beautiful either. Hello, everybody. My name is Brandon. I'm an amateur voiceover artist, an amateur writer, an English teacher, and a general all-round person. Okay. Well, thank you for reading that for us, uh, Brandon. Um, I love this poem. And I really want to know if you two guys love it as much as I do. Um, so I'll throw a question in the middle for you, which is, uh, reading this poem, what did you think? What is the first thing that came up? Criminal proceedings, which would probably be addressed by a judge and <laughs> some sort of like law and order styled criminal, criminal what they call it? Ju- ju- oh, I don't know. Anyway, anyway. It just sounds like somebody was just like lured out onto a ledge and then pushed off. Am I, am I reading that wrong? <laughs> okay. I mean, okay, that's the literal. Okay, word by word. Can you dig a bit deeper, Brando? <laughs> I mean, six feet not deep enough. Like it's. It's probably about a twenty foot drop. Let's say. Um, I don't know. To me, like. Is if you wanted to be all metaphorical about about it all, um, if you want to travel to the lands of metaphoria, I guess you could say that it's almost peer pressure in a good way. Assuming that flu at the end means like something good came out of being pushed past your boundaries. Although I'm always going to be a little bit skeptical about the idea of repeatedly pushing someone past their comfort zone. 
I think that's the main idea. Like that you can see it from two sides, pessimistically or optimistically. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, why? Because you see, I I think I think I know where you're coming from, but I might disagree. So can you can you explain yourself a bit more, Ryan? Well, not directly referencing the lines themselves. It's the idea of someone, but well, you use peer pressure, but it could also be motivation, some sort of catalyst to get you to do something that you know that you should do or you know that you're capable of, but you're too afraid to. It could even be an inner monologue between someone's um, ambition and their fear to do something. So when throughout the entire poem until the last line, it gives you this, this feeling of um, obviously fear, scared of doing something, getting to any edge, even if it's not a physical edge, it's just the edge of doing something, of taking that first step or going beyond a barrier. And then the very last line, and they flew, is supposed to give you the idea that in order to achieve things, in order to go beyond yourself in, in many ways, you have to take that risk. You have to push yourself forward. Um, and that might mean falling. That might mean failing. And that's just the natural way of things. Mm, you what you said just made me think of a quote from Churchill. Uh, I, might, I hope I'm not going to get it wrong, but I think he once said, um, failure is not the op opposite of success. No, like, oh, the way, the way, the path to success is, uh, is pavemented of, of failure. I can't remember exactly, but, but the meaning was that uh, before getting to failure, you have, you need to fail multiple times. Oh, sorry, before getting to success, you need to yeah. fail multiple times. That makes sense. Uh, what you said makes me think of that. It's interesting that both of you, while reading this, the only thing you thought about was two people, like multiple, like interaction from two sides. You know what, actually, I thought? Sorry, that was a cut. <laughs> was that one of your thoughts? You just started like... Zoom. Oh god, this this poem really gets me going. I just gotta rev up my motorbike. Give me a second, guys. <laughs> like what? The... <laughs> I hate this room because I get I can hear everything from the outside. Anyway, what what I thought when I read this when I read this poem the first time, um, do you know the voice in your head? You know when quite intimately, yes. Exactly. <laughs> I'm quite sure you do. Uh, that's what I, I picture. I picture one person having this conversation with himself, of themselves, actually. And some sort of bipolarism in which, you know, they, there is a risk to be taken and you're like, that, oh my God, do I do it? But I can't do it. If I do it, I fail. But, but come on, I need to do it. But, oh my God, I'm scared. But come on, for fuck's sake, just do it. And then I do it. And, you know, I pushed myself and I managed to. And, I, you know, I flew. Why, on that note, that if you wanted to link the idea that it might not be um, two people and you wanted it to be like looking at the idea of peer pressure, why does it have to be limited to two or one? It could be more. It could be like three different people shouting, come to the edge. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, um, you're right. Like, I meant multiple people, like the two or three was just an example, but multiple people. So you mean like multiple people from the other side as well are shouting for you to come? Yeah. Like to the edge, basically. Mm, okay, that is what well, that is the, the, it's literally peer, the peer pressure, basically. True. But I think, I think in my head, 
it made more sense for it to be like a conversation within you rather than between people um because because of what you you two briefly mentioned at the beginning when you said um you know not not it's not always right to push someone to their limits um for that reason the way i perceived it was like no this can't be something that someone is saying to someone else because you can't push someone to the limit. Like you don't, you're not always sure that it's the right thing to do. So this must be somebody is happening in someone else's head rather than between people. Yeah, Does but just because sense? just because you disagree with it morally doesn't mean that someone can't write about it. I mean, for me, like a big thing in this would be to say if this is indeed talking about somebody pressuring someone to do something they're uncomfortable with, even if they flew at the end, like being the result of them giving in was like a positive result. It's still quite a thin line to walk down, like ethically and morally, in my opinion, because you can't. You can never know. Yeah. And I think it's not a good. I'm not saying that this is meant to be sort of, you know, some sort of fable or like allegory that's meant to teach people about like consent and all this other stuff. But I think it's a very it's a very dangerous um it's a very dangerous concept to walk on this idea of coercing somebody into doing what you want because you think it will be good for them. It's quite solipsistic, like it's selfish. To, especially for, for someone to think What the bloody hell is solipsistic? Sounds like a bad rash that you have in your like your nether regions. Like, oh, why do you keep scratching your groin? Oh, well, you know, one of my testicles has gone solipsistic. Like, what? Bash me for my vocabulary. That's Wait, my what? Ryan, put it in the chat, and I'll use I it in my class say, tomorrow. <laughs> no, I'm not letting you. Okay. I like to think Ryan just keeps this one in the bank for, like, if he's on a date, he just goes like, oh, yes, well, you know, the starter was quite good, but the main was especially solipsistic, and then, like, Oof. she don't know what it means because she's probably a normal person. And then, then again, she's on a date with Ryan, so maybe maybe not normal, but... Maybe not normal, yeah. Yeah. I want to know what it means, though. Selfish, apparently. It's a fancy way of saying selfish. It's like, you're... You are the center of your world, in a sense. And how it relates to this is that it's selfish to think you know what's best for someone in any situation. And you think, if I push them, if I just give them a little shove, then they will go ahead and achieve because they might not. And that, in a sense, is what someone needs to do for themselves. It needs to come from within. Going back to, to what you said about it being like an inner dialogue, I touched on it in that it could be the personification of anxiety of someone within themselves struggling to to want to go and do something and being afraid of doing it because they fear of failure mainly that's the the main thing for most people but it, it does literally say in the poem and they came and he pushed it it, it gave uh some some substance to that and it is saying that there are and they came i don't know if that's in reference to the person that's uh, apprehensive about going to the edge and the person that's you know constantly trying to tell him to come to the edge and he pushed is that the person that was saying come to the edge or was it the person that eventually came and they pushed themselves 
So I think there's multiple ways to look at that. So I do agree with the, the idea of it being in a dialogue, and that is one way to interpret it. Um, but I think it is literally that someone else is trying to encourage you to, to become better than you are. I think it, I think it, all, it also depends on context. Um, to go back to the note when you said um, it might be morally, you know, unjustifiable or like, you know, um, not correct, you know, uh, ethically incorrect to do something like this. There are cultures in which this is very common and actually it's believed, it's thought to be the right thing to do, to push, to push, to push, sorry, to push people, <laughs> to push people to the edge. Because, well, you know, in, in England, we, we really think about this sort of stuff like, oh my God, you know, uh, what is, how is he going to react if I push him? You know, is it the right thing? Is it not the right thing? Um, we really, we try to be aware of the mental health of someone else, mental state and blah, blah, blah. Um, I dare you to live in Italy, my dear friends. Um, over there is completely different. And something like this will actually be uh, not a problem. You know, it's believed to, to be the norm, to push someone, no matter the situation, you know, um, without thinking about, oh, maybe he's going through struggles, so maybe pushing them is not a good thing to do. So I believe, you know, it also needs to be contextualized, perhaps. So maybe in situations like, if, if I don't know if Christopher Log is from Italy or like a similar culture, um, then I probably justify that approach of someone pushing someone else to the edge, pushing someone else to... Um, their limits in order to improve because that's what is believed to be the right thing to do. Um, but yeah, that was just, just, you know, I thought, I thought that probably needs to be contextualized culture wise as well. Well, it, it makes sense that you look at it from a, a cultural point of view. I, think, I mean, there's always outliers, but with um, British culture, it's very much, most people would prefer to avoid getting involved, getting into a situation where very, um, I wouldn't say like stiff upper lip about stuff. That's that's a different kind of context, but just that we go through life trying to just get on with it and just go through things in the the least disruptive way and obtrusive way, uh, especially when it comes to other people. Again, there's outliers. There's always different personalities that mix together with that. But for the most part, we would rather not mess with things and just at risk to ourselves i think a lot of the time but we don't we don't want to do something that might you know blow up in our faces even if it's coming from a uh, you know a source of happiness of trying to do the right thing of being kind you know the greater good so i i have to take your perspective into account and think maybe they're like that the, you know the majority of people and maybe that is is good for that culture maybe it isn't but it's for individual people to decide i think it's just the idea of personal boundaries and personal space and how much another person has agency over somebody else's decisions. And obviously that's always going to be different. You've got collectivist cultures, individualistic cultures. You've got so many different cultures. So just going to be like that. And obviously, yeah, it's, it's going to be different no matter where you go. Um, it's quite. I think it's. I just. I don't know. I just think it's quite solipsistic. <laughs> Christopher Logue is an English poet. Oh, well, I, I know he is. I know he is. Not just a saying. Of, of course, he's not. I'm just. You know, as an example, he's called what? Logue, though. That's not an English surname. What is it? Sorry, Logwe. Logwe. Is he Logwe? No, it's Log. I think. <laughs> 
I'm just I'm just being uh, facetious. That's a that's a word for your dates, Ryan. Um, well, I, I, w- I would also I mean I would say finally that uh, it definitely is. It, it seems like a very simple poem, right? If you look at the wording and you know um, uh, the order, you know the, the logic that follows. But it definitely is a poem that needs more thinking there um, than, than it appears. Uh, it looks like like a very simple poem, short. You're like, okay, it means this, it means that, it means this. But then you see, in in 15 minutes, we basically uh, already found probably four, or five different perspectives from which you can approach it. So I do strongly advise um, whoever is listening to us to go and look for this poem out there. So come to the edge by Christopher Logue. Because I think you can take out of it a lot, and it's very nice. Um, Definitely has a direct meaning. Yeah, I think. Um, another, I'm going to throw another quote in your faces. Uh, oh boy! <laughs> avoiding risk is no safer in the long run than outright exposure. The fearful are caught as often as the bold. Wow! Thank you, Ryan. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and that was Rana, Ryan for you, people. Um, well, I would say that that is all we have time for for today. Um, really, really, really thank you, uh, everyone, for listening to us. And I also would also like to thank everyone for their feedback. Uh, we are receiving a lot of feedback, and uh, looks like people are, are liking this. So, yay! But also thank you to Brandon and Ryan for, uh, for enjoying this with me. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And um, if you have any thoughts, concerns, or other little uh, contributions regarding this poem, feel free. Feel free to uh, send that in and uh, flood up Tony's inbox, telling him all your wonderful opinions. I'm sure he'll enjoy reading them. I certainly have concerns with Tony. I will indeed. See you next time. Ta ta.